0: Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. All right, we'll be reading from Genesis 4 this morning. If you want to follow along and your Bible are on the screen. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, you will not be accepted. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know, am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed to receive you are cursed from the ground, which has been opened its mouth, to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and wander on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who find him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden.
1: Maybe you've seen the episode of the office sitcom about ordinary life in you know uh, cubicle America, uh, the the U.S. sort of version of the British show. But there's a scene where like there's upheaval, the economy is bad, the company is closing. Some of you know where this is going, but right. So the the quirky manager decides to like distract everyone with the game and they do, like, a murder mystery. Do you guys you remember that one? And, and so it's, like, set in Louisiana, and they all try to have, like, accents or something, and he's like, there's been, uh, you know, he's like, there's been a murder, right? That's, like, that's the, the feeling. I hear that when I, when I hear this passage read to me this morning. I'm not saying that's an appropriate response to Scripture, but that, that's what I hear. There's been a murder, right? Like, we've been reading these beautiful stories of creation, the beginning of things, and God's goodness, and uh, purpose, God's image, life being breathed, and yes, last chapter, things went a little crooked, I mean, they ate some fruit, but that hardly seems like, not now, there's been a murder, like, how how quickly uh, we have lost the plot, right, that's my sort of first impression with the passage, and I think you could probably have a lot of impressions with the passage. It maybe strikes you in, in in any number of ways. I hear it uh, outside of sort of the office's influence, uh, a little abrasively, right? It, it feels it it feels. I expected a more gradual slide, right? You just a, as you read the story, like okay, you know, we sort of took a wrong turn here in the garden, and there's some consequences, but you know, but but it's, it feels like a hard just. You know, collapse. There's been a murder, and they're brothers. And uh, it, it it's disruptive. It's hard to swallow. It's abrupt. What happened to Sabbath rest and no shame and and all of that? Like, that seems like a distant memory. I, I don't know what your first impressions are uh, of the passage. I think you could have a few. Like, as we heard the story read to us. You know, we we read in the first verse, Now Adam knew Eve his wife. She conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And if you're sort of familiar with the story, as we've heard it the last couple of weeks, maybe you've been reading with us, uh, you know that when things sort of went, went sideways in the garden, right, there was this moment of of decision, of turning away and trusting God's intention for good, and sort of like, we, I think we got this, that in that moment, there was a, a promise, like, you know, God says things have gone sideways, but a seed will come, that there, there will be an heir who will come and 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 will put right what has gone wrong, and and that's still, like, ringing in our ears when we read uh, this moment. Eve conceives and bears Cain and says, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. You wonder, is she like, oh, this is the one, right? Is, is she thinking, like, sweet, you know, that was scary, but awesome. Everything's okay. We got, we got Cain, right? And, and I, I don't know that doesn't say that, but that's the feeling, right? It's like ringing in our ears, especially when you read the next verse. She's like, she says all that about Cain and then about Abel. She also bore his brother Abel, period, right? Poor guy, right? I, I don't know. Cain came with the help of the Lord, right? And then like, oh, and also uh, Abel. Some, some suggest Abel's name means like like vanity or meaningless, you know. You wonder, it's like, oh, yeah, Cain is the guy, right? We, we are ready. I, I don't know. That's a first impression that strikes me. I also I also think, again, I, what, what your first impressions are, we, we, we move forward with the story. I mean, like, okay, so they, uh, you know, we're told very little about them. There's not a lot of detail, which at times I find frustrating. When I read scripture, I want to know more. I want more explanation uh, I want that here, you know, we're told that, you know, one takes care of sheep, one has a, tends the ground, and then, like, then there's, like, the passage of time, right? What, I forget what the, the phrase here just very briefly says, uh, it, it just there's a, just in, in the course of time, it says in verse 3, no explanation. We've gone from whatever was happening in the garden and how that went sideways, and now in the course of time, they're bringing offerings to the Lord. We don't know why, we don't know sort of the nature of what that, there's no explanation. These are the good kinds and the bad kinds. Like in the story, it's, it's equally as like, just sort of like, okay, we're, we're doing this, here, 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 here we go. And my first impression, a first impression is like, what, why, where, um, where is all of this? And then, and then God's response, we're, we're simply told, right, that uh, as we keep reading, we're told a little bit about their offerings Cain brought from his fruit of the ground and, and Abel, the first fruit of his flock, uh, the fat portions. I mean, there's detail there, but we're sort of left to, to interpret their significance. The story later will, will help us, but as we hear it in this moment, I, I mean, my first impression is like, okay. But then the next bit, right, the Lord had regard for Abel and not for Cain. And I'm like, okay. I, again, I'm not saying this is right. My first impression is like, maybe God doesn't like vegetables either, right? Like, I, I don't know, right? It just, it feels capricious, right? It it feels a little arbitrary uh, in this moment. God feels like a bit of a, a character in this moment. Like, what, what, what is happening here? Again, these are just first impressions, and I, I just want to like Name them in the room, acknowledging that uh, you know as you engage with Scripture, it may raise all sorts of questions in your own sort of heart and life, and that's that's okay, right? Like, it's okay to to hold all of those and bring them to the table. But I want to just suggest uh, again some lasting impressions that, like, stay with me the longer I sit with a story like this, with this moment in the story. We we see what happens, right? in this, whatever is going on in this bringing of sacrifice, we're, we're clearly, we're, we're pulled into a bit of the story that we can relate to. Cain and Abel are trying to relate to God, right? They're trying to, they're trying to approach God after the garden, right? You, you, you can feel that same sort of disruptiveness in the story. We know previously there had been ease and grace and comfort, and no shame, and openness, and vulnerability, all these things seemed aspects of like, this is what life was like when you were approaching God in the garden, but here in this moment, all of that feels gone. There's now a hard shift, and they're they're in some way working to kind of get back to something they had lost, try to tie themselves to, uh, again, their creator in some way, in this case through sacrifice, and we're pulled into this this story that feels like, again, the feeling, the impression we get is that this process feels kind of fraught and broken, feels perilous. Cain and Abel, in fact, are the first ones in the story, right? In the story as we have it, they're the first ones who who live in a world, right? They've known only a world of sin and brokenness and like self-justification, right? The kind of like Adam and Eve in the story at least knew something different. This is all these guys know, and now we're pulled into what's it like in a world like that to, to approach God, to try to recapture this ache for something that had been lost. I think we can have a couple of responses. One is to think of, like, sacrifices in this moment. It's like, well, this is like, you know, it's the manipulation of God. If you do it the right way, you can kind of control, and you're manipulating sort of that relationship, and the rest of the Old Testament will attack that sort of approach. People again and again will, will, will use religion as a kind of manipulative tool to get what they want, and over and over again, voices in the Old Testament will say, like, well, you know, that's you're doing the right things outwardly, but, right, there's more here. I also think we see uh, approaching God in this story, right? Cain and Abel—it feels competitive, right? It, there's a, there's a, there's a new kind of self consciousness that didn't seem to be there before, and the result of that is competition. My my kids who are ten, you know, they're like they're really dabbling in drawing, and frequently, uh, frequently they will each have drawn something, and they'll come to be like, "Dad, which is your favorite?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ask your mom is always my answer, right? <laughs> Uh, Like, it feels like this kind of moment here, like, like, again, we don't get insight into Cable so much, Cable, into Abel so much in this moment, we see it in Cain, uh, right, That, that there is, at least from his vantage point, there's a sort of, he's looking left and right as much as he is sort of the direction of his sacrifice, there's a competitive now, sense of justification, who he is in relation to the people around him, and when he perceives that for whatever reason, God responds one way to Abel and differently to him. His, it, it, it sets the trajectory of the rest of the story. It's an insertion of competitiveness, but also character, right? I mean, this chat in here about character. Later in the story, we get the notion that, the suggestion that, that uh, you know, Abel seems to have brought, there seems to be something different about the character which Abel brought to the offering, the faith in which he was bringing to God. We see it in the New Testament as they look back on this moment, and and Cain, again, that, that peace seems to be missing so what are the implications kind of of all all of this what are the lasting impressions that sort of stick with you maybe or uh, I'll just suggest stick with me and I think the first observation right so we move out of this moment right uh, they bring a sacrifice God is like uh, seems to be regarding one and not the other and Cain's response to that is the rest of the story right Uh, It's interesting to me that this story isn't a sort of portrait of Abel. That's what I would want, right? I would want a portrait of Abel. God, show me how to do it right. Give me the instructions. Here are the, like, this is what proper relationship to me looks like. He doesn't give us that. The details of the story are arcane, which which suggests something to, to me that as I read this story, of all the places I want to look to see sort of where I live in here, the nudge is like, I'm somewhere with Cain, right? The nudge of the story is that wherever I am and sort of how I approach God, I, I'm, I'm somewhere in, in the realm and world of whatever is happening with, with Cain. And what is happening with Cain is a kind of, I mean, this is, this is an observation. I think like Cain, we are all kind of self-justifiers. We need to feel like we are okay. And we will do what, whatever we need to do to kind of make sure we hold on to that feeling, right? We, we need to know that the churchy word is justified or righteous, like there is this ache in us to be right, and and, 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 and this side of the garden now, that is a self-centered uh, project, and we see it play out in the story of Cain. Interestingly, the, the New Testament, looking back to this moment, uh, one of the writers, John, writing a letter to the early church will say, he'll, be, he'll say, right, don't be like Cain, uh, don't, don't, don't be like Cain who murdered his brother, and then, uh, and then he says, and why why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, and his brothers were righteous. And and I would suggest to you the gap between those things was insufferable for Cain. Right? Just now, now every time he walks, every time he sees Abel, he's a reminder of like, well, there's something lacking in apparently n- n- me right every time like cain is a is a walking reminder of of uh, he's a living reproach on 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 cain every time he sees him and, and god in his grace sort of meets that feeling in cain right he he meets it and says cain buddy like why are you angry why is your face down you're looking left and right right like you're what why are you angry he says if you just Essentially, trust me, uh, the word here is, I'll lift, your, I'll lift your face. Like, will you not be accepted? The, the imagery here is, is will your face it be lifted? This anger, this frustration. Uh, he says, you're caught up in this game of like, self-justification, a, a, a gracious warning from God. Cain, wait, 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 sin. Let me, let me, I'll put it to you plainly. Sin, he says, is crouching at the door. This pull in your heart, it's crouching there. He says, you, you need to see it. Be aware of it. Essentially, what he says, and I'm just chatting with some folks in the church. This was an example that uh, that they offered. You know, it's like you get, uh, I hesitate to bring up K State, but is there, is everyone okay? <laughs> right? We'll talk about KU instead. How about that? No, okay. Right? I'm from Georgia, so you know, go dogs. But uh, anyway, uh, right? It's like it's like you know, we, we want to think sin is like a 15 seed, right? Oh, they didn't like it either. Like it either. Yeah. <laughs> Should we give it a moment, or should I just keep going? All right, I'll keep going. They always say, you know, if I'm not distracted, you won't be, but now I've distracted the whole room, so uh, I guess I got to even hear it, but um, h- here we go. <laughs> I'm just going to pause. Yeah. We, uh, we lived in Scotland for a little while, worshiped at a church like downtown, and sirens would go by all, all, the, all the time, but anyway, we'd always pause. Have a moment like this. That's a long one. Well, we pray that everyone is okay. Yeah. I I to move forward, like I, I think we um we want to think of sin as like a 15 seed, right? We're surprised when it gets anywhere. You know? And God says to Cain, he's like, Body, he's like this this pool in your heart is bigger and stronger and more capable than you. Uh, then you see and realize, turn, like, turn to me, see it, confess it, acknowledge it, and, 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 and look at me, turn your face, let me lift your face. But Cain, man, you know, Adam and, Lee, Adam and Eve at least like engaged the conversation. Cain's like, just left, right? Took his brother into a field and killed him, m- murdered him murdered him it's it's again to go back to my kids frequently with one another they'll do it with me sometimes when they're drawing a picture they'll say to their sister don't look and and what happens next right inevitably you're like don't look don't look at what Right? It's, it's reflexive. Right. The pool of the heart. Right. To to justify itself, to be drawn, God says, it's crouching at the door. This is now the inclination you have reached to sort of y- create your own kind of goodness apart from me. And this is the result. Now you're you're in this world of self-justification. Cain was there and I would suggest we are invited to see ourselves there as well. It's also surprising to me in the story, you know, you think this is, like, bad. You're like, Cain murders Abel. You're like, whoa, man, it's just bleak and dark. And you keep going, and it gets worse very quickly. You guys like, man, Sunday morning, Matt, come on, buddy. Right? Like, the next name to take center stage in the story will will boast, will sing songs of his, like, murderous conquest, and, and it'll be the first instance of, of polygamy, right? Like, it will quickly, again, to... to to just illustrate as God is warning Cain it's, it's at the door of your heart. It is, we, we think it's sort of an entertainment to be avoided, right? We, we, we want to think maybe like it's not that big a deal, but God's warning is like it will entangle and entrap and, and enslave you, he says. Turn, look look at, at me. I think this is helpful for us probably because you read a story like Cain and Abel and it feels really distant for most of you. You're like, murderous thought and intention feels like a pretty remote thing but but the pull to justify ourselves I and mean that that lands a little closer to home right right the 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 the, the pull that when we perceive that someone else is more righteous than we are or that gap between uh, those things, like the 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 pool to justify ourselves, and that that lands. So we're more comfortable being like, "Oh, Cain, he's he's a remote thing out there. Don't be like that." But God says, "Look at Cain and see yourself here. Right? You're you're playing the same game." Solzhenitsyn, who was the author, and, and it's been time in the gulag in and, and Russia. He, he, you know, in a moment where he, on a national scale, the, the, the impulse was to like write off a section of, of the population as evil and, and stand in our own righteousness. He said, in, on the recipient of that brutality, he wrote the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. It's not that easy. We are all pulled into this game of self-justification game. is too weak a word, but this is my first observation, because like, what? How many? Oh, I got like six more, all right? Uh, the second observation, we are all, we are all self-justifiers, and I, I think we're invited into hearing it in this story, but the second one is we're all... Wanderers, we're all wanderers. You hear the response God has, and in, in verse twelve, He tells Cain, "You're going to work the ground; you shall no, you, it shall no longer yield to you its strength." Like Abel's, you know, Cain is like denying it, and God's His blood cries out for like vengeance and and and, and to, equality to be made fair and right. He says, "You'll be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth." And again, uh, again, I hear the office, right? The episode of the office. You remember how it ends they're playing this game who is the murderer and there's a scene in which they're all like arms out you guys remember the scene they're all pointing the finger at one another and one of the main characters she's like backing out of the room and she says it wasn't me I'm not I'm not going down for this right and this is they're all frozen like pointing they're all alone Right. They're, they're all, and sort of comically so, played for comedic effect. In isolation, unable to trust anyone around them, uh, isolated, wandering uh, uh, alone in this moment. And this is the this is the move of what happens in a world full of self-justifiers. We're all kind of wandering, isolated, alone, damaging the people around us, hurting ourselves, separated. Uh, it, it, God will tell us at the end of this section, separated even from the presence of the Lord. Cain, a wanderer. I think we're all self-justifiers as we are invited to hear this story, but we're all wanderers too, sort of playing those games, keeping distance where we can feel safe and good. And vulnerability in that sense seems very scary. I don't know where you are in relation to either of those things. It's a pretty tragic story, right? A pretty tragic story to hear it as an indictment. I, I think we want to read a story like this and, and uh Again, we, we, it just feels so extreme, so far from us. But to hear it this way is to see ourselves in this story. But, but there's one more observation that I think sort of runs through, a through line in the story that's louder than those first two, our need to justify and uh, the judgment of wandering, being separated from God. And it's, it's God's grace that somehow in the midst of this mess of things, God in his grace shows up. Listen at Cain in verse 13. Uh, my, 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 My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, from your face. I will be hidden. I'll be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And then this line, whoever finds me will kill me. It's interesting, a first impression. Like, would would it be retributive? Like, they would, you know, or someone with a connection to Abel at some point, right? It's like, all right, we're going to make this. We're going to make this, right? Whoever finds me will kill me. Of all the responses you would expect from God in this moment, what follows is not what I would have thought. Then the Lord said to him, not so, not so. And, And then it says he puts a mark he puts a mark on Cain, right? He identifies him as a sinner is what he does, right? This guy, right? He's, he's marked. And it's somehow in that gracious act, God, like, in his grace m- meets him. Uh, it reminds me of the words of Johnny Cash singing with you with uh, 2 the, the, the song is, is Wanderer. I went out walking down that winding road where no one's trusting no one, a conscience, uh, conscience a conscience of too heavy load was a wanderer, a wanderer. Like, under the weight of that judgment, of that experience, God comes to Cain and and protects him, marks him. A petulant, angry, self-justifying murderer. And God, like, preserves his life. what's, What's the good news in this story, then? Right in, in this story that we hear this morning, I, I think you could hear it. You may hear it this morning and think it's like, well, just I need to bring a better offering, right? And by all means, yes, bring a better offering. I should be a better brother or sister, right? We could, That's certainly an application. Yes, we would agree. Right, maybe don't, right? Anyway, okay, we'll just leave that there. Don't murder. I mean, it makes it into the Ten Commandments. That feels like an appropriate, like application, but, but I think maybe it's more subtle. Sometimes we read it, we're like, oh, Cain should have said no to sin, and so should you. Now get out there and do it. But if you keep reading the story, that, that didn't work either. It just continues to unravel. I think all of this points us to something else, and the New Testament writers uh, uh, give voice to this. We're invited into a, another truth here, and that is the grace of of God to sinners, to people caught up in being right and righteous. Interestingly, when, when, when genuine righteousness showed up in Jesus, we killed it then too, right? Like when, when it showed up in all of its goodness, its fullest expression, the, the human response to self justify in response to that moment was murderous then as well. And yet we're told in that moment. That the blood of Jesus, in that experience, speaks a better word than Abel's. Abel's blood cried out for vengeance to be put right. And yet, somehow in this act of God on our behalf, his his blood on the cross cries out in a way that speaks acquittal and forgiveness for sinners. He, I would suggest to you, is the hero of the story. He, he, He is the definitive no to sin in your life. That sin that crouches at the door, that that at times in your life you feel its pull more strongly, others it feels a little more subtle, or you want to ignore it. He is the definitive no. So the invitation of this story I would suggest to you, there's been a murder, right? And while your response might be, I'm not taking the fall for this, the invitation of this story is to see yourself in Cain. To see yourself in, in Cain. To recognize in you that same self-justifying image. But then to realize that there, in that place, is where you meet a God who justifies sinners. Who marks the sinners as his own. I want to invite you guys to.
0: Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at Park City KC.